0: Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so thankful to have you join us today from wherever you're listening in. You can stay up to date with us at Bethesdachurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now let's get ready to dive into today's word. see you. So good to see those that are joining us online. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. Um, Today, before I dive into the message, uh, believe it or not, we are on part six of Monarchy. Um, Didn't originally know how long the series would go, but we got at least this week and maybe, maybe next week. So we'll see how it goes. Before I dive into that, though, I want to take a minute uh, to honor someone today that many, probably most of you, would know or have met, and I promise that if you know her or if you have met her, your life has been blessed by her. Um, the Bible says this. It says that we should give honor to whom honor is due. And our church clerk and my my assistant for um a little over six years now, since two thousand and fourteen. Uh, Debbie Lynch, she has served here. Come on, let's show her some love. Yeah. She has served uh, here for six years. She served longer than that, but on on staff uh, here for over six years. Um, but she is. Um, Transitioning out of the staff position that she has been in, she just feels that her season uh, to be on staff um, is it's time for her to make a transition. Um, she's not going anywhere. You will see Debbie here uh, in small groups and serving and see her smiling face uh, when you come to church. And, and Debbie, it's been an honor to work with you. You have been a blessing to me, um, to my family to the Bethesda staff, and I know you've been a blessing to the entire congregation, those that you serve with, those that you have done small groups with, uh, and we just want you to know that we love and we appreciate you and your service to God, um, and we, we just we, our prayer is that this next season uh, of your life as you make the transition would be your greatest season ever. That you experience the blessings of God in your spiritual life, in your family, in your grandchildren, Uh, just believing for for God's best over you and your life. Uh, Bethesda, I'm going to ask Zeke if he would. We have a couple of gifts. I'm going to ask him to present those to her. And while he does that, can we show some love to Debbie Lynch today? Come on, church. We love you, Debbie. Amen. What a wonderful, wonderful person and done so many wonderful things for us here at Bethesda. Uh, so we do honor you. Um, we are uh, in part six of the series. Um, I didn't know how I would transition out of that into this preaching, but uh, we, we're going to do that. Um, today uh, is part six. We've covered a lot of content If you've missed any of that, go back and listen. I believe it'll be a blessing to your life. Uh, In the series Monarchy, we're talking about um, bringing the kingdom of God into the earth. We've talked a lot about it as it relates to the big picture kingdom agenda of, of what we can experience in the kingdom of God, and over the last few weeks, I've been uh, really trying to help us walk it out practically because a lot of people want, you know, what we've been talking about in this series, but they don't know how to walk it out practically. And so we've taken the time to do that. Uh, today may be the most difficult um, message of the series because um, I want to talk to you about this topic, deliverance from ourselves. Deliverance from ourselves. The greatest battle that every person Fights is the battle within. Now this is uh, before some of y'all's time, but Pogo, the great cartoon character, he rightly identified um, our common primary adversary. He said it like this. He said, we have met the enemy and he is us. How many of you understand that our greatest enemy is not the devil, it's not people, our greatest enemy is us. I got one amen in the whole room. You know why? Because we want to think that our greatest enemy is not us. We want to believe that our greatest enemy is, is Satan, that the greatest enemy is maybe a person that we're struggling with, but our greatest enemy is ourselves. Our greatest need of deliverance is deliverance from ourselves. The truth is, is that every person um, determines the course of their life by the choices and the decisions that they make. Every day we make decisions that will determine the kind of life we live. It will also determine the kind of harvest that you and I receive. We have big choices to make. We have small choices to make. But at the end of the day, we are the sum total of our decisions. Amen. How many know we need to take accountability for where we are? Because it's a direct result of choices that we make Every single day. As far back as Moses, people have been given two choices as it relates to us spiritually. Those two choices are life and death. Look at Deuteronomy chapter number 30 with me this morning, starting in verse number 11. It says, now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up to heaven. It, it is not up in heaven Everyone just say that to somebody close to you. Tell them it's not up to heaven. All right? A lot of things we just think heaven is automatically going to do it in our lives, but we, we, we see here that it's, it's not up to heaven. He said, so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may, may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess." I want to stop here before I continue reading and just remind us that the level of the kingdom that we experience is directly connected to our ability to love God, our ability to walk in obedience, our ability to keep his commands, and and the result of doing all those things will determine my level of increase of his kingdom. See, a lot of people get saved and they want the kingdom, but they don't live in obedience. They get saved and won't live by the principles that God has given us to live by. It goes on to say, but if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now I I love this scripture because you know right, right out the gate we see that this blessing, this life of increase, this life of the kingdom, it's not up to heaven. In other words, it's, um, heaven does not automatically come into your life. God doesn't decide this. Heaven doesn't decide this. You decide it. You have a choice to make. I'm reminded of what uh, Moses' successor said, Joshua. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many know that we have decisions to make, choices to make every single day? When we choose death, whether knowingly or unknowingly, we open ourselves up to an attack of the the, the evil one. And on the other hand, if we choose life and do it God's way, which begins with salvation and it runs through the cross and it ends up in eternity, that's when we choose life. Tell somebody the choice is yours. Oh, that's the wrong person. Tell somebody else the choice is yours. It's completely your decision. I think one of the greatest lies that the enemy tells us is that um, we are at the mercy of everyone else's choices. He tells us that, um, you know, like, like people's choices are going to determine our destiny. And, and it's, a, it's a victim mindset that for some reason has filtered its way into the people of God who are supposed to be the head and not the tail above only and not beneath, but... We get into the kingdom and we start making excuses like, well, if they hadn't done this or if they hadn't done that, then I could experience the blessing of God. And I don't want you to get me wrong. I believe my choices impact people around me. I believe your choices impact people around you. But don't be fooled today. We, we have to understand that we become the sum total, not of everyone else's choices, we become the sum total of our choices. So we got to get rid of the victim mindset and start taking ownership over our decisions over what we choose. Now, the spiritual battle that we are in, I said at the beginning, the greatest battle is the battle with ourselves. Paul articulates this in Romans chapter seven, starting in verse number 21. He said, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law but I see another law at work in me that's waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul tells us that his greatest struggle was not against the devil, but it was against himself. That his flesh, and I think we can all give a witness to this, his flesh gave him more fits than the enemy. You know, the devil gets the blame for a lot of things that he had nothing to do with. He had absolutely nothing to do with. It was your flesh that was out of control. It was your flesh that was not submitted to God. It was your flesh that you refused to crucify with Christ. It wasn't the enemy. It was your inability to crucify the flesh. But we need to know that when we live by the flesh, we partner with Satan and we actually counteract God's plan for our lives. Sin does not reside in my physical body. Sin re- resides in my, my sinful nature. It's not the physical body that contains the sin. It's the sinful nature within us. But we know that Paul also said, I fight this war that is happening within us, but thanks be to God that I am delivered through Jesus Christ. How many are thankful that you've been delivered through Jesus Christ? And we're going to walk this out today. We're going to walk this out because this is not an easy battle. It's the hardest one. The word flesh takes on a wide range of definition in the New Testament, including the physical body. But in context here, Paul is not referring to the physical body. He's referring to the old nature that we inherited from Adam. It's the nature that is unregenerate, the, the nature in us that is still rebellious, the nature in us that is still carnal in nature. Paul literally calls the sinful man the flesh. He calls it the old man. Anybody thankful that you're no longer the old man, but you have been made new in Christ Jesus. It's why he also wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. So so when we come into relationship with Christ, the old man, the old Chad, is dead. And I become a new person. The problem is is that we often go back and pick up the old man. It's not that we haven't been delivered. It's not that we haven't been saved. It's not that we haven't experienced the presence of God. But in a moment when we have choices to make, decisions to make, many times instead of living in the new creation, we go and resurrect the old man. And then, how many know when we do that, we run into all kinds of problems? We run into all kinds of things. Um, So we're made new. And before we were made new, we were trapped we were in bondage. We, we were uh, stuck in the flesh that um, it has an appetite. How many of your flesh, if your flesh has an appetite for sin? If, if I just let my flesh go, I couldn't be your pastor. Come on, somebody. Like, if I just let myself go, and, and whatever I feel I do, I mean, I'm going to do some things that is contrary to the Word of God. I'm going to say some things. I'm going to do some things. I'm going to think some things that I don't need to do, think, or act on. Um, and, and so, for, for the most part, people respond um, to one of two self-motivators. The first one is this. Um, they have an unhealthy self-image. I want to look at this real quick. People with an unhealthy self-image. Self image. They tell themselves things like, I'm a nobody, I'm no good, I don't have any value. They say things like, life is not fair, God is not paying attention to me, God doesn't hear me, God doesn't care about me. Um, it's these self deprecating statements that, that come on the back of self deprecating feelings. Um, but I want to tell you that, that that is not the result of an inferiority complex. These statements and these feelings are not inferiority complex. They arise out of a self-complex. I just said a mouthful. It's, see, it's when a person focuses on self and not on Christ that I start saying I'm not valuable. God doesn't hear me. God doesn't love me. There, there is no virtue in that because we know, according to Philippians 4.13, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That we are valuable enough that God came in the form of his son and died in our place. So we have value. It's not an inferiority complex. It's a self complex. The second uh, motivator is an overbearing pride. People who struggle with pride, they wrongly believe that they can do all things, but not necessarily through Christ. That I can do it in, in, in my own strength. I can do it with my own willpower. Interestingly enough about this, if you, if you study this out, the focus again, even if it's overbearing pride, the focus is on self and not on Christ. There's no virtue in that either. So, so whether you say self-deprecating things or you say prideful, arrogant things, the problem in both cases is that you have a self-complex. You are focused on self and not on Christ. That's why we get tripped up with, with um, feeling less than, than we are or feeling more than we are. It's because the focus is on us. We need to know to, today that the power of God is actually released and manifested in our weaknesses, not in our strength. If we go around proclaiming our strength 24-7, we are not a candidate for the presence of God. But if we can own our weaknesses and own our shortcomings, but keep the focus not on self but on Christ, we are now positioned for the power of God to be released in our lives. But in the church, we got to wear masks, not pandemic masks. We got to wear masks like we got all our stuff together. We got to pretend like we don't make mistakes and our thoughts are only holy and pure and, 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 you know, we do everything right. How many know we don't do everything right? We don't think everything right. But if we can come to grips with where I am weak, that is an opportunity for the power of God to be released in my life, then we can experience a new level of freedom in spite of our weaknesses. But we got to get the focus. To be delivered from ourselves, we got to get the focus off of self. As long as you focus on self, you'll stay in bondage. The focus is not on self, the focus is on Christ. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, he said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecution. How many of y'all delight in that stuff? Talk. We don't delight in any of that. We get mad about all that, right? We get frustrated about all that. But, but Paul goes on to say, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Both motivations, whether you are prideful or you have this inferiority complex in your life, they both arise out of an uncrucified self. The key to dealing with the flesh lies in the battle for control of self. The self, when we talk about self, that's the part of us that decides whether or not we give in to the fleshly desires. It's the part of us that decides whether we give in to the appetites that this flesh has. Um, And I believe that it has two telltale signs. They, They are identifying phrases. The phrases are real simple. It's I want and give me. We're like a bunch of little children. I want and give me. He says that, that, that um, w- when it comes to the I want and the give me, it, 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 can, you know, it can hit every part of our life. Um, I want the nicest car. Um, give me access. Um, I want the biggest piece of the pie. You know, it, it's, it's all about me. But, but Paul tells us in Philippians two what the solution is. In Philippians 2, verse 3, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, watch this, value others above yourselves. The thing we have to grab hold of today is that we we need to be mindful of what is motivating us. We got to be mindful of that. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, nothing out of conceit. If we are doing the right things for the wrong reasons, we need to stop it. Now, a lot of preachers won't tell you that because they want you to keep doing the right things even if your motivation's wrong. But if you're doing the right things for the wrong reasons, I want to encourage you to stop it until you can get that in check. Because you can do spiritual things that are done with the wrong motivation where the motivation isn't about serving, the motivation isn't about people, but the motivation is still on self. See, either our motivation needs to change or we need to step away from those responsibilities and, until we can do it with the right heart. See, this can only be done when I have crucified myself. If I have not crucified myself, I'm gonna do what I do with the wrong motivation. But if I operate in humility and crucify the flesh, and I do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, then I can do good things with the right motivation that becomes a blessing not only to me in my life, but those that I serve. Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Let me just ask, how can you be offended if you're crucified? How can you stay hurt if you've been crucified? How can you, how, how can you stay in that situation? If you've actually crucified yourself, how can you stay there? He said, I am crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and he gave himself for me. So Paul crucified his eye. He crucified his self. You cannot f- find fulfillment, the fulfillment of God's will in your life until you have first crucified yourself. A lot of us have not crucified. Like we got saved, but we never crucified ourselves. Uh, the moment you get saved, you're ready for heaven, but that doesn't mean your flesh has been crucified. That is a decision you got to make. Uh, and, and so that, that leads me to a point when it comes to this, to be crucified with Christ, number one, I've got to make that decision. I've got to make a cognizant internal decision to die to self. Listen, the death of self does not happen on its own. Like just because you got saved and are following Jesus doesn't mean your flesh is dying. You have to choose to do that. And, and again, if I, if I let my flesh do what my flesh wants to do, I, I'm, I'm going to do all kinds of things that misrepresent Christ. Secondly, i got to make a confession. Paul makes his confession his personal testimony. He said, I am crucified with Christ. This was, was Paul's words. As we confess our own crucifixion, it becomes a part of who we are, and then we just live it out. It, it's not about just in general terms, but it, it, it's another thing to apply that personally. Galatians 5.24 tells us this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So we may be delivered from control of the flesh today, but the responsibility to crucify the flesh still lies with us. Dying to self means that we refuse to pursue our personal passions and desires It's interesting to note that Paul, he tells us here that he was a new creation. Watch this. He said, I'm a new creation, but I'm still battling the flesh. Can anybody bear witness with the Apostle Paul? I'm a new person, but I'm still battling the flesh. Anybody feel me today? That's what he's talking about. In God's divine wisdom, um, he makes us new in Christ, but he doesn't remove our flesh. He doesn't remove our sinful. How many? When you got saved, your spirit got saved, but your mind is not saved. Your 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 uh, flesh is not saved. You know the, the, the Bible says that we are saved, but we're also being saved. It, it, it says that that and it also says that we will be saved. Why? This is a um, this is a journey of walking with Christ and crucifying the flesh every single day. That's why Paul gives a list of things that are contrary. To the kingdom, things that we need. If we crucify the flesh, we won't struggle with these things. But if we fail to crucify the flesh, we're going to see these things in our life. And he 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 gives us a list. Now, I want you to know before I read the list, this is not an exhaustive list. Like this is not all there is, but it's a substantial list. Here's what he says in Galatians five, starting in verse nineteen. He says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, whats this next line watch this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. This whole series has been about bringing the kingdom into the earth, but if my flesh is out of control and I can find myself in this list, then I I, I am now cut off I'm not saying you're cut off from heaven, but I am saying you are definitely, I'm not the judge of that. That's when you and the Lord, that's why I said last week, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, but I can say as your pastor, if this is happening in your life, you are cutting off the kingdom from coming into your life. You're cutting off heaven from coming into your life. These are works of the flesh. Some of these are self-explanatory. Like you read it and like, whoa, that's in there? Yeah, it's in there. But there are some things a little harder to define. I mean, witchcraft. You know, we we read that on the list. We think, what in the world? We think of a big pot of, I don't know, something we're brewing with a, maybe a broomstick. You know, maybe you think Wizard of Oz. You know, I don't know what you think. Uh, witchcraft is simply rooted in rebellion. It's rooted in rebellion. Um, witchcraft is um, usually when somebody... Experiences rejection in their life. Uh, Their dad left when they were young, and they never got over that. They they carry that into every relationship uh, that they go into. Uh, For some of you, it's a spouse that walked out. Somebody mishandled you, and you you feel rejection. Rejection not dealt with properly always turns to rebellion. That's why you got to be careful about hooking up with people that are wounded. Man, I am preaching right now. You, you gotta be careful about aligning your life to wounded people that are hurt and feel some sense of rejection in their life. Rejection always turns to rebellion. And ultimately, witchcraft, it manifests through con- control. Um, and it doesn't mean that you just control what another person does. It means that you, you, you go beyond that. You control how another person feels. You control uh, their emotions. How how do you do that? Through all kinds of ways. Through pouting. We don't have any powders in the house, do we? Through, not not just pouting, pouting. Some people throw temper tantrums. They think if I scream loud enough and kick the table over, then I'll get you to do what I want you to do. there, there's a lot of ways that witchcraft can come into your life. Um, uh, a lot of times it's, it's verbal abuse, emotional abuse, all because we never handled this rejection, this offense, and we carry it into every relationship. So that's, that's on the list, but a lot of us, we don't even know how that could be operating. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. How could that be working in my life? I hope now you can see how that can work in your life. Factions. He mentions factions. That's a smaller group of people that have a different opinion than the larger group. Listen, if your opinion is different than what Bethesda stands for, you need to submit your opinion and get in alignment with Bethesda's opinion. If not, it's a faction. Paul says you're cut off from the kingdom. It's when a small amount of people begin to think that our opinion and what we feel is more important than than the vision of the whole. Dissensions, that's another one on the list. Strong disagreement. Listen, you've got to submit the disagreement or get out. But don't be a problem. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I wish some pastors would have preached this to me when I was younger. Because there's a lot of things that sometimes we get accidentally hooked up to that we don't even know the mess that's coming into our life because we got hooked up to that. We got to be careful about allowing those things in. And, and I want to say today, the church is really bad about categorizing sin. I mean, my goodness, we, we, we look at somebody um, operating in sexual immorality and we're so quick to point the finger. You need to quit sleeping around and the whole time we're operating in witchcraft. The difference... The difference is, is that we can point out the sins that are visible, but witchcraft and dissensions and jealousy and envy are not always seen to the natural eye. It's a condition of the heart that nobody can see, so we fail to call that out. Listen, just because you call out somebody else's sin because it's visible to your eye, that doesn't make you any better than them, especially if your sin goes unidentified, unnoticed, and actually does more damage than their sin because you're now damaging the body because you won't deal with the stuff that God is telling you to deal with. I feel like preaching today. We categorize sin. We want to call certain things out, and we don't want to deal with the hidden agendas we don't want to deal with the hidden motivations all because it's so easy to point out well he's a drunk so you're in witchcraft what's the difference what's the difference so what 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 is the remedy paul says in galatians 5:24 those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Listen, we don't take our flesh to get to get free from the flesh. We don't just take the flesh to Sunday school. We don't just take the, the flesh um, somewhere so that he can be reformed. We don't take the flesh and sign him up for counseling. We don't uh, get the flesh to memorize scripture. The answer is we kill him. We we kill him. Execution is the only remedy for the flesh. In fact, our evidence for belonging to Christ, this is going to trip some people up, our evidence for belonging to Christ is whether or not our flesh has been crucified. A lot of people will pray a prayer on Sunday and never crucify the flesh. They will say, God, forgive me with no intention of putting to death the flesh. We experience the kingdom though on the level that we obey God. We know that the flesh and the spirit are enemies and they work against one another. Galatians five seventeen tells us that the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit wars against the flesh. And our fleshly nature, that is before God changes us, is, it, it's in total opposition to the Spirit of God. It's why Romans 8 and 8 says, those who live in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. That as long as I allow my flesh to do what it wants to do, I cannot be pleasing to God. Even, many times, I can do good things with the wrong motivation. And it's, it's not pleasing to God. Same chapter, verse 13 of Romans, he says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Christ has made it possible for you and I to die to ourselves. But we have to understand, dying to ourselves is painful. How many know, well, just wave at me if it's been painful to crucify the flesh. How many know, it's not easy. I'm I'm not up here saying this is easy. Crucifixion is not easy. Crucifixion was painful. And, and what we're saying is that we, we're willing to, to have short-term pain for the long-term effects. That's what crucifying your flesh is. But if we sign up for unrighteousness and we fail to crucify the flesh, we're not, we're not signing up for short-term pain. How many of you understand we're signing up for long-term pain? Long-term pain. In um, Luke chapter nine, verse number 25. Before I read that, I want to say this one more time. Even spiritual things can be rooted in self. We can invest all of our time in the church. and We can, we can serve and, and, and build the kingdom and be a part of the leadership. But how many know some people will do that at the expense of their own family? Why? Why do they do that? Because self wanted to feel important. We, 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 we can sign up and say, I, I'll, I'll, I'll do praise and worship. I'll sing. And I'm not saying anybody here does that. I'm just saying it's possible to say, I, I'll be on the praise and worship team and have the wrong motivation. That in, instead of doing it for the right reasons, we, we sign up. Why? Because self wants to be in front of people. Um, and we got to be careful. And so I'm asking you today, just ask yourself, what's my motivation in serving? Am I, am I really doing this? As unto the Lord, or do I have another motivation? Luke 9, 25 says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Powerful verse. Another one is Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus speaking, he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I want to say this real quick. You cannot follow Jesus until you first deny yourself. It is impossible to follow him until you have denied yourself. The only way for you and I to find life is to actually die. Die to self. I I want you to get this statement. Not in your notes, but I want you to grab this. So many people pick up the cross at salvation only to sit it back down in life. We, we, we're not called to pick it up at salvation and sit it down in our life. We're actually called to pick it up at salvation and carry the cross through our life. Carrying the cross is uncomfortable, but it's the only way that I can get near Jesus. Carrying the cross is when a girl tells her, bo- her boyfriend, I'm not going to sleep with you. Carrying the cross is when a businessman refuses to falsify reports. Carrying the cross is when you've been hurt to choose forgiveness instead of remaining hurt. How many know it's not easy to keep picking up the cross? It's not easy. It's not always comfortable. It's not always what we want to do. The cross, though, is the intersection of God's will and my will. Denying myself means saying no to what I want, saying no to my desires, saying no to what I think, even sometimes saying no to what I think I deserve. The act of taking up one's cross, many times it happens at the intersection of my will and God's will. Jesus experienced this. On the night of his betrayal, we know that Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And his will and the Father's will intersected. And it's where Jesus said, if there be any other way, let this cup pass by me. Like, let it pass from me. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus could have chosen in that moment moment to say, let let men and women, from now on, let them all go to hell. Because this is too much. He could have chosen that. He could have said, let him die, let him go to hell. I'm not doing this. I'm ready to come back to heaven. I'm not ready to lay my life down. But how many of you understand Jesus submitted his will? He knew the pain and the torture that was coming. And what makes salvation so beautiful is that he chose to lay his life down. What do you think happens when God's people choose to lay their life down? I mean, there's always the power of God manifested when that happened. We saw it in Jesus, because as he chose to lay his life down, what happened three days later? Resurrection power hit. Could it be that the reason the church is not experiencing resurrection power is because we have failed to crucify ourselves? I told you this would be the most difficult one. Now, wherever you're at today, how I many of we all struggle with different things? That's why we got to be careful not to point out everybody else's stuff while ignoring our own. Some of you may struggle with lustful thoughts. Some of you may struggle with, you know, unforgiveness. You, you may struggle with all kinds of, maybe, maybe just you struggle with admitting when you're wrong. Moving on. <laughs> what does it mean for me to die to myself? It means that I have a willingness to prefer others above myself. Over the years, people have misconstrued these scriptures of crucifying the flesh, and we'll see people that um, they go to all these great lengths to crucify what they call the flesh. But I said earlier, the flesh is not necessarily the physical body. But because sin doesn't exist in the physical body. When God created man, he said, it's good. Like, so it's not the physical body, it's the sinful nature. But they get it all messed up, and so what do they do? They spend all this time trying to like, really torture the body. And you can read stories about people who will sleep on a bed of nails and deprive themselves of, of you know, all kinds of stuff, thinking, I'm, I'm killing the flesh, I'm killing the flesh, and, and what happens is, is that um, as they do that, it becomes a form of idol worship because they feel that I, I'm, I'm really bringing my body in, in control to God and, and they have this warped view of, of what this is. The physical body is, isn't in itself sinful. God created it, called it good. But there are, listen to me, there are benefits to being delivered from sin. I want to I end with this today. Benefits to being delivered from the dominion of sin. Uh, Number one is just freedom from the dominion of sin. Look at Romans chapter 6 verse 14. It says, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. Before Christ came into our lives, we could not stop sinning. Right? We could not stop sinning. However, because of what Jesus has done, we can overcome sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are free to serve God, free to live a life of righteousness. People will look at some Christians and, and, and say things like, well, I just don't want to be a Christian because, you know, I won't be able to do what I want to do. Um, how many know that that's not Christ speaking? That's self-talking. That, that is self-talking. Um, if you get the right perspective, you, you can say, because I am a Christian, I don't, I don't have to do what my desires tell me to do, that I have freedom. I've been, I've been delivered from the dominion of sin. It, it's kind of like dogs. You know, they're, they're kind of like all animals. Y'all know how dogs are. Like, we'll, we'll watch a dog, and they'll eat trash, and they'll drink, you know, water out of the toilet, and we sit back, and we shake our head and laugh. But some of us, because we have not crucified the flesh, and we allow our passions and our desires to go out of control, we are, spiritually speaking, we are drinking out of the toilet, and God is standing back shaking his head, but he's not laughing, he's grieved. Because we failed to crucify the flesh. We failed to bring it under subjection to the will and purpose of God. So we have freedom from sin. secondly, benefit is we have freedom to serve. The second benefit of being delivered from ourselves is the freedom to serve. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant." And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Did you know that the pathway to authority and leadership in your life, it lies in your willingness to serve. That servanthood is the actual key. That that Jesus, which he's God clothed in flesh, he came to the earth not to be served, but to serve. He was showing us the pathway to authority. Um, Anybody that receives power um, or authority without first proving themselves, they always abuse the power. I'm going to say that again. Anyone who receives authority and power without first proving themselves a servant, they always end up abusing the power always, every single time. It's why the Apostle Paul said, don't lay your hands on any any man too quickly. You know what he was talking about? He was saying, let them prove themselves. Let them serve their way into that kind of leadership. Let them work their way up. See, in, the world tells us, get there first, get the most. Who, he who dies with the most toys wins. Like all the all these sayings, but in the kingdom, it's the opposite. If you want to live, you got to be willing to die. If you want to get, you need to be willing to give. If you want to go up, you got to be willing to go down. It's the rule by which the kingdom of God operates, and it's diametrically opposed to that of the world. Unfortunately, we got a lot of people who want to be served but not serve. It's the essence of pride. There are only two businesses that you can start at the top. That's grave digging and well digging. (laughs) Everywhere everywhere else you start at the bottom, and that's the way it works. Somebody give God a praise right there. The only place you're starting at the top, (laughs) digging a well, digging a grave. That's it. Everywhere else you start at the bottom and you work your way up. The third is the worship team comes. What is benefits being delivered from sin? It's freedom from self-promotion. Mm-mm-mm. Second Corinthians four verse five, Paul said, "For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake." Wherever Paul preached, wherever he went, how I many know he had one message: Jesus. Everywhere he went, he preached Jesus. Paul could have made a great name for himself. He could have built, you know, his brand, a bigger ministry. I mean, he was intellectual and spiritual. He spoke 10 different languages. He 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 had everything going, but he still focused on one thing, and that was Jesus. He was not into promoting himself, but he was into promoting Jesus. The last benefit that, being delivered to sin will bring into our lives is that we have freedom from proving yourself right. When you die to yourself, you don't always have to be right. When we become defensive, a lot of times, how many of we can get defensive at times? Make excuses, become defensive. But the Holy Spirit reminded me this week that when we have to become defensive, when we see that in a believer's life, what we see is an uncrucified self. You are so full of yourself that you think you've got to defend yourself. By executing the flesh, we actually open ourselves up to hearing from God, however He may choose to speak to us however he chooses. Have you ever noticed, though, that everybody will admit that everybody, you know, has shortcomings and everybody, they'll, they'll say things like, everybody's not perfect. We all agree. But very few people are, are willing to admit that they are not perfect. By becoming defensive with our weaknesses, we actually cut ourselves off from God. And I want to say that a lot of churches and a lot of church folk, they spend a lot of time arguing over theology, fighting over, you know, the rapture of the church, when it's going to happen. You know, are you pre trib, mid trib, post trib? I don't know. When Jesus comes, I'm out of here, all right? I'm just gone, all right? Why are, why are we so hung up on things? Fighting over things that don't matter. The only thing we should be fighting over is a glorious church. That's it. That's it. Like, that's it. A glorious church. We'll find out soon enough who missed the rapture, by the way. I won't find out. Come on, y'all got a smile underneath that mask today. That's funny, I don't care who you are. We'll find out. But I, I really felt led early this morning to ask you and to challenge you. What area of your life is hindering the kingdom from coming into your life? And I believe God had me read certain scriptures and say certain things to, to try to, you know, help us to see that maybe there is an area that's hindering the kingdom from coming into our life. It could be pride. It could be witchcraft. It could be lustful thoughts or jealousy or Fence. the biggest enemy we face is ourselves our biggest need of deliverance is not being delivered from a person a situation or even an ad- addiction in our life our biggest need of deliverance is just being delivered from ourselves Matthew chapter 7 and I, I, I added this literally this morning when I came in so usually we have everything ready on Thursday But the Holy Spirit gave me this early this morning as I was praying for you. The message translation says, don't pick on people. It's Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Now, I want to stop and say, how does that happen? How, how does that happen? I believe it happens because when we're so focused on everyone else's mess, we become deceived about our own mess. Being deceived means I just don't know. That's what it means to be deceived. You just don't know. And so he goes on to say, do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face or let... let Uh, Let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt. It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again. Playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Wow. 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 I think the NIV and the King James and New King James, a lot of translations say we we want to pull the speck out of others' eyes while we got a telephone pole in ours. I believe that God is telling me today to challenge the body, the body of Christ, not an individual, the body of Christ, to challenge us to repentance. I'm sure as I preached this message, there were some areas in your life that you saw and were like, man, I need to crucify that. I need need to give that to God. And I know this message don't make anybody feel that good, but crucifying the flesh is not supposed to be fun. Jesus never said it would be fun. But he did say there is a blessing attached to it. He did say it opens up the kingdom to us. We're saying we want this last day outpouring of God, this revival. Well, how many know it's not going to happen with a bunch of people who have not crucified their flesh? It's only going to happen with people that are willing to put their flesh on the altar and say, die to the flesh, die to self, die to ambition, die to vain conceit, die to the sin so that I can pick up my cross and carry it into a world that needs Jesus. Do you believe that today? Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, give God a praise today as you stand to your feet. Come on tell somebody the choice is yours choice is yours i'm gonna ask that you bow your head and close your eyes if you're in-house or watching online we would love to introduce you to jesus we know that salvation doesn't cost us anything salvation though costs god everything he was willing to give his son for our for our sins to die in our place And so I want to ask you today, if that's you, say, Pastor, that's me. I need to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I need to be saved. If that's you, if you're in-house, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Say, that's me, Pastor. I need to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Anyone at all. Anyone at all in-house. Those of you that are watching online, we have some people that are on the chat there that if you want to make that decision. This is an opportunity for you. Somebody can pray with you right there on that, you know, whether you've got the app open or your computer screen open, whatever it looks like. We would love to introduce you to Jesus as well. But here's what I want to do. We're going to do one more song. And during this song, I I know I said it last week to make it a time of prayer, not just a time of, of worship. Yeah, we're going to worship. But make this a time of repentance. If the Holy Spirit has brought something to light in your heart that you need to experience God's grace and forgiveness in that area, maybe it's just an area, you know it's there, and and really what you need to do is to crucify that part of your life, then let this be a time where, where the Holy Spirit can come into your life and do that. I love you guys. Will you do that with me? Will you do that with me today? Come on, one more time. Give God a big praise. Thanks for listening to the Bethesda Church Podcast. If you'd like to contribute financially to our ministry, you can do so by going to bethesdachurch.tv slash give. See you on the next episode.